49ers aren't going to sneak up on anyone this season, but from a fantasy perspective, they're still one of the hardest teams to figure out. Hello everyone and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 as we continue on with our State of the Team series. We're bringing on one of the two teams that played in the Super Bowl last year. We'll get to that in a second. I am Michael Beller, host of Fantasy Football in 15, welcoming on, welcoming on excuse me, my co-host for today, Chris Meany. Meany, what's going on? What's up, Beller? Uh, happy to talk about the 49ers. What there a it is. You're giving it away. Season. I'm giving it away <laughs> right there. The anticipation. I couldn't hang on to any more. Uh, you know, just a, a phenomenal year from them last year. So excited to talk about them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Me too. It was uh, a surprise Super Bowl uh, team in the San Francisco 49ers last year. Of course, couldn't quite finish off the Kansas City Chiefs in that game and gave us a whole lot of goodness in the fantasy football world. So it's time to talk some 49ers. And to do that, we bring on our 49ers beat writer here at The Athletic, Matt Barrows. Matt, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're good, man. Like we said, we are ready to uh, talk about this team. We were uh, The three of us were actually talking a little bit before we started recording here, and it feels like a team that has a lot of unknowns, more unknowns than your typical uh, Super Bowl participant, especially one that returned so many of the players from that Super Bowl team. So it's an interesting one to talk about. In the fantasy world, I think it really uh, starts and ends with Raheem Mostert when we're talking about those interesting guys. Took over as the lead back in the final third of the regular season last year. Obviously, we know what he did in those last five games of the regular season and in the playoffs for this team. Matt Breida, gone. Tevin Coleman, still there. Going into the season, should we be thinking about this as cleanly Raheem Mostert's backfield? Well, it's it's funny. Raheem Mostert has such a sensational second half of uh, the 2019 season and, and the playoffs, obviously, as well. He has yet to start an NFL football game. Um, <laughs> so e- even during his sensational streak there, where, where he was, you know, putting up numbers that had never been seen before. He, he did that in the, uh, in the Packers game. Um, uh, Tevin Coleman was a starter. So uh, that's, that's been a formula that uh, Kyle Shanahan stuck with. And, um, I, you know, the, the fact that Tevin Coleman remains on the team, you know, signals to me that they're, they're not going to kind of mess with that, um, that Coleman is going to get the first, maybe the first two series, and that uh, Mostert will be the guy that, that comes in as sort of the, the change-up. Um, he's definitely the, the team's uh, ace pitcher, but he might not be the starter. He might be more the, the, the middle reliever, if you will. Um, but he, I agree with you. He's, he's the most interesting guy, and we talked to him the other day uh, via Zoom, and he was saying that uh, he's back in, in uh, his wife's hometown of, uh, of Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. And he's been working on his, uh, his route running. So that's something that he wants to improve upon and, and, and make sure that he's uh, really good out of the backfield. So that's just another layer of uh, kind of fantasy value that, that I think that he might be able to add to his game uh, in, in 2020. Yeah, Matt, it's, you know, when you look deeper into Mostar, you see the 5.6 yards per carry is pretty impressive. You mentioned, you know, catching some more balls out of the backfield. He started to do that towards the end. But, yeah, when you look at the game log, just the one game with 20 carries, and it was that playoff performance where he went off against the Packers and he had 29 carries. I I wonder if he can be a 20-carry guy. And then maybe just talk to us about Jarek McKinnon. I know the fantasy community laughs a lot about Jarek McKinnon. I mean, he signed that big contract two years ago and has yet to play a game for the 49ers. Is he going to have any? 
any type of role, or is it just too early to see if he, you know, health obviously a big concern with him? Yeah, obviously health is is the underlying factor with him. I, I can't say that everything is going very well for his health this off season. And uh, right now he's he's down in Houston working out with Adrian Peterson. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard about Adrian Peterson's <laughs> off season workouts, but yeah. they are they are something. Uh, so bottom line, if Jarek McKinnon and he said this, if if he can. Uh, keep pace with with Peterson and that group of guys that have these insane, you know, three and a half hour workouts. You know, running in sand, doing tons of incline work, doing tons of boxing. If he can keep up with that, he feels very confident that he's going to hit the ground. Not just be cleared for training camp, but be really ready for training camp. And you know, that's that's been what uh, Kyle Shanahan has really been anticipating. Is a guy that. Uh, not only can run the ball, but is really adept at catching passes out of the backfield. So if, if Jerick McKinnon is healthy, then uh, I, I think you easily pencil him in as the, as the third down sort of change of pace guy. Um, and that could, that could lead to a lot of catches. I remember in that 2018 offseason, uh, before he suffered that ACL injury, he was Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target uh, that offseason. And nobody could cover him out of the backfield. And I was saying to myself, boy, um, this guy's going to have a huge fantasy year just cause, just as a receiver. He's going to catch a lot of passes. Uh, of course, that never happened. And the question is whether that has sort of been delayed until the, the 2020 season. You know, Debo Samuel, another uh, rookie, followed a, a similar path to uh, Mostert. Not that Mostert was a rookie last year, but Debo Samuel following a similar path where he broke out in the second half of the season. Uh, ended up having a, a strong year across the board for a rookie wide receiver. Uh, gave you 57 catches, 802 yards, three touchdowns. Enters this year as uh, the number one player, number one receiver on the depth chart. But the 49ers go out, use a first round pick on Brandon Ayuk. So... Is how much room is there for Debo Samuel's target share in this offense to increase, knowing that Ayuk is right there going to play a big role right from this get-go? Yeah, I mean, I think the question there is, you know, how much does the coronavirus affect uh, rookies like Ayuk? I mean, he's been taking part, like every rookie has, in these virtual uh, meetings, sort of classroom stuff, but he hasn't taken the field with his new team, and so... How much will that sort of delay the development of uh, of rookies like Ayuk? Um, and I, I feel like that has a, a trickle down effect. Uh, you know, does that mean that teams' defenses will really kind of zero in on uh, Debo Samuel this year? So uh, I just don't know how to how to call that. Uh, I think one of the the great things about Debo Samuel is that you can get him the ball in a variety of different ways, um, not just passing it. He he takes a lot of jet sweeps um, you know he's really good on the sort of short screens that he uh, he takes off downfield with uh, he's great after the catch basically so uh, you could do a lot with that you don't have to have a perfect passing game in order for him to be productive so um, I, I, I feel like he's gonna have a, a strong season I just don't know if it's going to be a, a sensational season he's also missing you know the the veteran who was playing opposite him, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, last year, which uh, I think Debo Samuel's numbers definitely went up as soon as uh, Sanders arrived last year. So they, they don't really have that 
that veteran element there anymore. Um, and uh, I've got to think that that's going to have uh, at least somewhat of an adverse effect on the wide receivers in, in, in that passing game. Yeah, you could really see when you know when Sanders was acquired, you know Samuel's numbers really started to go up. You look at the first six games; he only had four catches in one of those games. In his last nine regular season games, he hit that mark six times, three one hundred yard games. So I think we all know that. The number one option in this offense is George Kittle. I mean, you have Ayuk in there, whether he's going to be able to be a, an automatic starter for this team or not. Maybe touch on him potentially if you think he could be the number two wide out on this team. But really my focus here is is on Kittle. And his usage in the red zone is, is kind of puzzling. You know, Beller talks about San Fran being a run-heavy team. Uh, and you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, just two of his 19, you know, targets inside the five uh, to, to Kittle last year. Is there more of an urgency to get him involved near the goal line? Or is this just going to be, hey, if we're inside the five and we're inside the 10, we're just going to hand it off to the three or four running backs that we could hand it off to? Well, yeah, he's definitely involved in the red zone, but it's uh, in his other role as, as a blocker. I mean, he's a really good blocker, and that's why uh, they value him so much. That doesn't really help uh, if you're a George Kittle fantasy owner, I realize. Um, you know, he's not uh, quite the, you know, the monster that um, Travis Kelsey is, in, you know, in terms of size and, and length and stuff like that. Uh, he's not Rob Gronkowski in terms of those things. He's He's more of a... Um, you know, a, a catch and run guy, uh, almost almost like a, a, a Shannon Sharp type of uh, tight end in a lot of ways. Um, so it, my my point being that there's not um, sort of the Antonio Gates, you know, basketball move that that he's able to to put on a defensive back in the in the corner of the end zone. Um, he doesn't quite have that to his game. So it, it's a great question whether the you know, the, the yardage is going to be there for, for George Kittle. He's going to get the targets for sure. Um, he's going to have the, the long catch and runs, but he's probably not going to have the, the TD production that other uh, elite tight ends have had uh, in, in fantasy. And uh, frankly, I don't, I don't really see that changing this year. Just, just the way he's built and, and the way he operates doesn't really lend himself to that. The... Uh, the uh, the the big red zone weapon really for the 49ers has been Kendrick Bourne at least through the air. Um, you know he's sort of their their third wide receiver, but he's really got good short area quickness. He's unafraid to go over the middle. Uh, he's got a little bit of length to him, and uh, that seems to be their go-to guy. Jimmy Garoppolo has been very uh, confident throwing in his direction on third downs and in the red zone. So that that would be the guy that I would point to in those sort of uh, first and goal uh, type of situations. You know, right off the top, we talked about this being a different kind of Super Bowl participant. And I think uh, the biggest proof of that is that we've been able to talk for a little more than 11 minutes, uh, talk about three running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and we haven't yet mentioned the quarterback. So let's get <laughs> to Jimmy Garoppolo here. Last year, he was uh, the QB 14 in fantasy points, QB 22, however, in points per game. On the good side for Garoppolo, uh, he's got the emergence of Samuel. Of course, he's got one of the best tight ends in the league in George Kittle, the addition of Ayuk, all great things, but this is still a run-first team. So going into this season, should we be thinking that there is more of the pure production put on to Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders, or should we more expect this 49ers team to try to run back 2019 in the 2020 season? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be more like last year. I mean, um, you know, what, what we saw last year is 
the 49ers, I don't want to say struggle through the air, but they, they certainly weren't prolific through the air until Emmanuel Sanders arrived uh, basically midseason. And then you started to see some really you know big games from him, big games from Garoppolo. Uh, that, that sort of coincided with some, some injuries. Um, uh, George Kittle himself was injured a couple of games. Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback. Uh, was hurt. They they had some injuries at uh, on the offensive line too. So I, I think that that sort of forced them to to go through the air in, in some of those games as well. Um, but uh, you know that 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 Sanders loss to me is is a big one. And um, I touched on it earlier. The fact that we're basically had the uh, you know the the off season wiped out. So um, when you are replacing Sanders with a rookie. And then you don't have an off-season of practices for that rookie to get up to speed. Uh, that that sort of tells me that your your passing game, at least early on, uh, might not be as prolific as it was at times last year. So uh, I, I don't know exactly what that means for Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers, but uh, I do think that this will be a uh, a team that leans heavily on its running game. Every now and then, it'll have a big passing game, and you might be able to kind of predict those uh, when they go to New Orleans this year. <laughs> that might be a really good game to start. It Jimmy was last Garoppolo. year. <laughs> it was last year for sure. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders uh, happens to be on yeah. the other uh, side of the. Right, right. Uh, of Out of those two Arizona games, time. maybe. Yeah. Exactly yeah. the Arizona <laughs> games, um, but um, you know, week in week out, uh, as you noted, he probably isn't going to be. Um, you know, your best fantasy option uh, if, if you've got a lot of other prolific quarterbacks. And, and the other part is that you've got a really good 49ers defense, too. So mm-hmm. there, there won't always be a big impetus to score uh, 44 points in a game. They could probably win a lot of games by scoring 24 points uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, they certainly proved that last year. Only 476 passing attempts for Garoppolo. That ranked 19th among quarterbacks last season. So, you, you, I mean, you touch on the defense. The great offensive line, I mean, they don't really need to throw the football. I mean, that offensive line ranked 8th, according to Football Outsiders, in adjusted line yards, 15th in their pass-blocking metric. They dealt with numerous injuries, really, on the line. They make the big trade for Trent Williams to replace retired Joe Staley, brought in Tom Compton from the Jets. So how does this group fit the scheme that Kyle Shanahan and the O-line coach John Brenton put together? I mean, I think it fits it great. Um, <laughs> it's it's very rare when you can lose somebody like Joe Staley, who to me is you know the most unique offensive lineman I've ever covered. That the the block that he threw in the 2011 playoff game against the Saints, where he ran down the field 35 yards and was still 15 yards ahead of Alex Smith, who was doing a, a quarterback keeper on that play. Uh, is the best block I've ever seen. And, you know, he, he retires, um, not quite out of the blue, but, you know, uh, pretty much out of the blue. He, he still had a strong season last year, and it was really sort of a, a neck injury that we didn't know about that, that prompted his decision. That, that usually sets uh, a, a franchise back. Um, how do you replace your, your, you know, your longest tenured player when he's your left tackle well the 49ers did it with someone who's just as athletic and probably better uh sort of in in the power uh blocking game than, than Staley was so uh I don't think they lose anything I think that they've got much better depth at at right guard uh you mentioned Compton uh they also could uh, put Daniel Brunskill who was uh, a, a bit of a revelation to them last year at that spot they drafted uh Colton McKivitz out of 
West Virginia. He could be in the running for right guard. So they've got um, some options at a spot that was probably their uh, their only blemish, their only weak spot last year, the the, the right guard position. So if if that's a, a healthy group, um, you know we know what the running backs can do. That that's going to be. Uh, very formidable for for uh, defenses to keep up with. It certainly was last year. I think the 49ers, the Vikings, and the Ravens, I think I have that right, were the only teams that ran the ball mm-hmm. more than they threw the ball last year. And that uh, That's becoming a, a more and more exclusive group each year, but I would imagine that the 49ers stay in that category in 2020. San Francisco 49ers, the returning NFC champions, a lot of fantasy goodness on this team, really a lot of fantasy goodness in this entire division. I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about the NFC West as the best division in football in 2020. That's our 49ers beat writer, Matt Barrows. Matt, thanks again for joining us. All right. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. Go ahead and follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Barrows, B-A-R-R-O-W-S. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Chris Meany and Matt Barrows, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.